Thank you, Lord. I did hear a groan. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be turning in the word of the Lord this morning to chapter 15 of the book of Psalms. We'll be reading the entire chapter. It's only five verses. Praise God. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Wife and I were gone last week, and then uh, this week we and my parents were out of town, just got back uh, last night. But we had an enjoyable time together, our families, and uh, over the past week. But it's good to be uh, back home, even though this is a temporary home that we're in. And Pastor was alluding to that uh, just a little bit earlier when he was up here. And we'll be talking about that a little bit uh, this morning. This earth, this world, is not my home. Sister Bossler walked on this earth for 90 years. Sounds like uh, a long time if, if, if you're a, a child. How old are you, young lady? 11? Does 90 sound old to you? No? We've got some wisdom right there. Sister Ruth Denny? Does 90 years old sound old to you? No. Young lady, Sister Ruth's a bit closer to that number than you are. As are, as am I, and as are many of us here. And the older we get, and we think, boy, 50 is not really that long of a period of time. 60, 70, 80, Sister Switzer, is not really that long of a period of time. Not that she's even approached that age yet. Amen. Got, got an amen this morning. Praise the Lord. But however long of a period of time I'm walking on this earth and I'm in this fleshly body in its present form, it's a temporary home. My residency, my true citizenship really lies somewhere else. Psalm chapter 15. King David speaking, says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? A very good question that he's asking here, although two separate questions. In essence, one large question, but I'll get more into that. And he answers that. Verse 2, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. In other words, he keeps his word, even if it's difficult. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. And I want to call our attention uh, to verse number one. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And I'm going to preach for a little bit this morning, not too long. We do have a fundraiser, and I'm cognizant of that, on the topic, citizens of God's kingdom. Lord, I pray for your anointing touch this morning. Help me, Lord, to just say the things that, that need to be said, Lord, to be within your will, Lord, not to step outside of it, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me to, to enunciate things clearly, Lord, that, that even the smallest child this morning would gain understanding from the Word of God as it comes forth 
from this pulpit today, Lord. I pray for every person in this house, every person that might be tuned in online, God, to be fed and nourished by your word. And I pray that maybe somebody, Lord, would come under the knowledge of the truth, that somebody through the preaching of the word today, Lord, might come to a place of repentance, might come to a place, Lord, of baptism in your name, Lord, that might be filled with the Holy Ghost this morning in this house, Lord, and that some might renew their commitments to you, Lord God. Oh, God, help us, Lord, to receive your word. And, and again, help me, Lord. Just, just help me today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Somebody said, in Jesus' name. And you may be seated, please. We've been having some good church here lately. Wife and I, again, were gone last Sunday, but I, I understand that had a very good service. Brother Poole uh, preached the word of the Lord uh, last Sunday. We had a great service likewise. We, we were at church in uh, Evansville, uh, Indiana, and the, the spirit of the Lord moved. And boy, just a couple of weeks ago when Brother Cha was here. How many remember when brother, we're here when Brother Cha preached just a couple weeks ago? Whoa, boy, very moving uh, testimony and, and word of the Lord uh, as he preached it. And uh, I was thinking about the... One thing that he mentioned uh, early on within his testimony was about his desire that he had growing up in the nation of Hungary uh, to come over uh, to this nation. And, and really that desire uh, that was in him, that, that feeling uh, that was in him is something that's shared by people all over the world. We've got a lot of problems in this nation. Uh, there's no doubt there's wickedness uh, all over the place. There is some wickedness in some high places. We've got a Supreme Court nominee, for crying out loud, who's so incompetent she could not answer the question this week of what is a female. Her response was, well, I'm not a biologist, therefore I cannot answer that question. And I thought, man, what evil that we are dealing with in this world and in this nation, in this present day. And nevertheless, I'd rather be living today in this nation, the United States of America, than anywhere else in the world. It's no wonder that people all over the world would love to come uh, into this nation, as Brother Che. Uh, did, as our pastor did uh, at, at one time. And just coming to this nation is, is one thing, Sister Moya. Another thing is when you do things the right way and you move up these steps and you can get to a place where you actually gain citizenship. Yeah. I had a, a, a student uh, that asked my permission to miss class a few weeks ago. I granted that permission because he had a meeting so he could gain uh, citizenship, Indian uh, young man. And uh, and I granted that permission because when you have one of those appointments, it could be, if you have to cancel that or you can't uh, fit that into your schedule, it could be years until you can get another one of these appointments for an interview that could be hours long. And of course, there's various things, learning the Constitution, passing, passing a test. But that moment, when it comes and they receive uh, citizenship yes. to this nation, all of a sudden, they've got some rights and some privileges uh, that they did not have before. Uh, Bruce Springsteen is not a man I admire uh, at all for, for, for things that are in his mind, but he wrote a, a song uh, some, years, some years ago extolling being born in the USA. And what a blessing it is uh, for those of us that were born in uh, the USA. There may be a lot of problems that we face, but we still have freedoms uh, that the world uh, envies today. Even if we think of other civilized nations, some people think of the United Kingdom. Well, they're right up there with us. Oh, no, they're not, my friend. The standard of living that we have here in the United States is far superior to what any other nation uh, has in the world at this time and period. But this earthly nation 
as great as this country may be, it could be better, there's some problems, it's temporary. I'm a citizen of the United States of America, but it's temporary. Once I, once I give up, once I take my last breath, it's gone. But there is a greater citizenship that we all need to aspire to, that we all should aspire to, to hold and gain and to have unto our last breath. And that's really what David is talking about here in verse number 1 of Psalm uh, chapter 15. When he asks this question, who shall abide in thy tabernacle and who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And this is a pretty loaded verse. I think of uh, Genesis uh, 3.15, Sister Melissa, is probably the most loaded verse I can think of in the Bible. So much meaning behind different things. But there's a lot in this verse as well. And in general, these words tabernacle and holy hill could be referring to the kingdom of God. We could be talking about heaven, God's spiritual kingdom. And yet there's some things we can divide up within this verse. The first question, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? So a tabernacle, another word for that would be a tent. Most of us don't think about living in a tent as a permanent residence. Uh, Brother Scott... A few of us in here know of somebody that used to be in this church that is homeless, and people have tried to help him out, and yet he chooses to be homeless and live in a tent. You know who I'm talking about here. But most of us, uh, I would say, uh, would not think of a tent uh, as a permanent habitation. And again, this word abide that we see in chapter one, in verse one of chapter 15, means to, the Hebrew word means to dwell in as a stranger, to dwell in as an alien. And this word that I looked up says it implies less social rights than a native-born citizen. I'm not talking about social rights in the kingdom of God. Uh, That does not imply that that, that, uh, this person is a stranger in the kingdom of God, but but, but, but on this earth he is a stranger and needs to recognize that, that we are strangers even though we are in God's kingdom in this life. In a sense, we are aliens to this world, to this earth. This earth, again, is, is not my home. He said, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And then he goes on to say, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And this word dwell in the Hebrew means to stay, to inhabit, to make a home as in permanent habitation. And this implies greater rights as with citizenship. And David asked the question, who shall dwell in Zion? And Zion literally means uh, excuse me, he said, who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And this, these words, holy hill, literally means Zion. It literally is talking about the city of God, heaven, the eternal abode of the most high God, God's kingdom, his spiritual kingdom in this life, but also, and importantly, that is in uh, the life to come. And David didn't separate these two things. When he asked this question, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy, holy hill? Who has the proper perspective? Who has entered into the kingdom? Who abides in this, this earthly world but recognizes that they're a part of the kingdom of God and they're really strangers, pilgrims, if you will, in this world, and who understands that their true citizenship, their true citizenship card is actually in a city that we have yet to lay our eyes upon, the city of Zion. Amen. Amen. Who shall dwell in Zion? In Hebrews chapter 12, we see, uh, gives us uh, some further description of this city. In verse number 22, 
and 23, and it says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Brothers and sisters, saints, visitors, let us be open and honest with ourselves this morning and take inventory of ourselves at this very moment today. Can you claim citizenship in Zion today? Do you have that perspective uh, within your mind as you are, 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 are walking for the Lord, if you have been born again of, of the water and the Spirit? Let's take a look at these, these requirements that, that the Word of God lays out in chapter 15 of the book of Psalms. Oh, goodness. There we are. Verse number two, who shall abide? Who's going to heaven? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the, the, the truth in his heart. He that, that has integrity. He that does the right things. He that, that walks in the right way, in a proper way that is pleasing unto God. And this is David talking here. He that speaketh the truth in his heart. We're not talking about somebody that just gives lip service, that words come out of their mouth and it doesn't mean very much. Uh, why, do you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say, uh, Jesus said. He's not looking for lip service, but he's looking for those that speak the truth in his heart. He's looking, David's talking about true worshipers here, and we're in the Old Testament. True worshipers are who is going to uh, ultimately uh, make it to that city of Zion. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. In other words, slander. You don't slander your brother and sister in the Lord, certainly, and, and other people, and, and speak uh, evil things about them, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach uh, against his neighbor. I'm not to be quick. If I hear somebody saying something against my brother and sister in the Lord, I'm not to be quick to, to, to immediately accept and receive what was just said. My, my first reaction should be, no, that's my brother and sister. They love the Lord. They, they wouldn't do what this person said. That's not in their character. I know this person. It should require a high standard of proof before I would receive uh, such an allegation against a brother or a sister in the Lord. And that's what David is talking about here in uh, verse number 3. In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that feareth the Lord. He sweareth to his own hurt and uh, changeth not. In other words, he keeps his word even uh, when it's difficult. A man or woman of their word, your word is important to you. Uh, when, you, when you stand before, when I stood before a pastor and took vows with my wife, those were serious vows uh, that we took. That was not something uh, to be uh, taken lightly. And we are to keep our word even if it's difficult, uh, the Bible says. People that refrain from, from usury and don't take reward against the innocent. Not, not, I can't be bribed, in other words. Nobody's going to bribe me like Judas and, and steer me away from this gospel truth that I know to be the truth. And then finally it says, and he that doeth these things, it says, shall never be moved. Kind of like what Paul said in Acts chapter 20 and 24, none of these things move me. How many... Remember, just it was a couple months ago now, it was a Wednesday night, and I believe we had an ice storm, and Pastor uh, was teaching, and it was online only, and he was talking about uh, Paul saying, none of these things moved me, and he was being, uh, people were slandering him, His, he, he had been scourged, he was mocked, he'd been beaten, 
you name it, it had happened uh, to Paul. But none of these things were going to shake him because he was firm upon his convictions. He was resolute in this truth, in what he knew of the word of the Lord, and he was going to be faithful to the word of the Lord, faithful to his calling, and faithful uh, to this message. Uh, and he was. These traits that we describe, see described by David in Psalms 15 really describe uh, people of faith. This list certainly would be antithetical to someone like Absalom. Uh, he, he really violated most of these things listed in, in, uh, in chapter 15. And he was a son uh, of David. And the consequence of violating these things was death uh, for Absalom. He wanted the throne of David, but it was his own character that prevented him from citizenship on the holy hill. But where we do see uh, these attributes exemplified, these, these, these attributes of people of faith, quite obviously, would be in Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter that we often refer to as talking about the heroes of faith. And if I look at Hebrews uh, chapter 11, and I'll begin at verse number 8. Speaking of Abraham in this verse, the Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, listen, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, temporary dwellings, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city. He's looking for something more permanent. See, Abraham recognized what his true home was, that this earth was not his home. He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And this chapter goes on to list many, many individuals throughout the Old Testament. And in verse 13, it says, These all died in faith. The Bible says, Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare that they seek a country. They're seeking their true home, where their citizenship truly lies. Verse 16, but now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Somebody said amen. 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 These individuals were a part of God's kingdom on earth. These individuals throughout Hebrews chapter 11 were a part of God's kingdom on earth for the times in which they lived. And we're talking about different dispensations here. Some were in the dispensation of conscience, human government, promise, law that, that are listed here. But they recognized that they truly were citizens of another entity, one that goes beyond this world, beyond the physical, and into the spiritual realm. These individuals, these men and women of faith, recognized that they were strangers. They were pilgrims. They were merely visitors on this earth because they possessed citizenship in a city that they had yet to see, the city of Zion, and that was their true home, and that was uh, their permanent uh, habitation. And they all died in faith, uh, the Bible says. In other words, they were all found to be faithful according to the times and dispensations in which they lived. There were certain laws that governed these different particular dispensations. And these names listed, we see, were all found to be faithful, uh, the Bible says. But we are also pointed in this chapter to the prophets, of whom was the prophet Joel, 
who foretold some things about citizens of Zion living on earth in the last days, a future dispensation, the dispensation of grace in which we're living right now, when Joel said, and it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. And we see as time passed, There was nobody who would better exemplify these characteristics of faith than Jesus Christ himself. No human being before or since had such an effect on the world as the man, Jesus Christ. He turned this world on its ears. He upset a lot of people. He upset a lot of powerful individuals in this world who had wealth and affluence. He he upset and angered lawyers and businessmen, scribes, uh, Jewish leaders, as he rebuked the self-righteous and declared that the law of Moses in its ceremonial aspects was coming to an end because the supreme substitutional sacrifice had arrived. And he went to the multitudes. He went to the, the the poor. There were, there were some wealthy who were open, and he just went to the open. There were some people that were poor and destitute, and he went to those people, and people that were open uh, unto them. And he healed the sick. He, he, he gave sight to the blind. I was wondering, as Brother Poolboy was talking this morning, if, and I never read it in the Bible, if maybe he uh, turned some gray hairs back to normal, darker colors. I've never read that in the Bible, <laughs> but he, he can do it. Let's tarry right now, brothers and sisters. But how much of a testimony would that be? I had gray hairs and God changed them back to the right color without Grecian formula. Praise the name of the Lord. What a powerful God we serve. He could do that. He absolutely could. But he gave sight to the blind. He unstopped deaf ears. He raised lifeless bodies from the dead. He fed multitudes. And when these multitudes, you see, would have made him king, his answer to them was, no, no, my kingdom is not of this world. Because even as a man, it really was not. And he went on to be mocked. He was beaten, ridiculed, uh, spat upon. He was scourged, betrayed, slandered, lied upon. But none of these things moved him. They didn't move the Apostle Paul. They didn't move Abraham. They didn't move any of the prophets, these individuals of faith. None of these things moved the man, Jesus Christ. And when he was praying and and agonizing at Gethsemane, and he was trying to have an all-night prayer meeting, uh, Brother Rob, and even even the disciples and his inner circle, Peter, James, and John were there, and he was trying to pray, and he was all night long, and blood and sweat were coming from his brow, and he was praying uh, so, so fervently, and his disciples could couldn't even stay awake, Brother Jolly, in this, this all-night prayer meeting. He was agonizing because he knew as a man this death, this horrible death that he was going to have to face when he would be crucified. And yet he subdued this flesh and he said, no, no, none of these things move me. I'm going to be faithful to what the Spirit Almighty God requires of the Messiah, of this human flesh in which his spirit dwells. And he said, not my will, but thine will. And he continued and went on. And he was indeed crucified. And he died a horrible death. He was slain upon that cross. And he was buried. And three days later, he rose from the dead as the Spirit of Almighty God came into that lifeless body. And he walked this earth again. And he was seen of over 500 men before he ascended in the clouds. And men saw that. And then 10 days later, for a total of 50 days from that resurrection, and that's where we get the word 
Pentecost. And he, he gave instructions before he incended. You tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And after he ascended, ten days after his ascension, the Spirit of God fell in the upper room at Jerusalem when they were obeying him and tarrying at Jerusalem and waiting for his Spirit. And the Spirit of God fell and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and this new future dispensation had begun. And notice in Acts chapter 2, as this dispensation uh, began, and they were pricked in their hearts in chapter 37, and, and, and these, these listeners to Peter's message said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is the climatic point. It was a climax in the entire Bible, this entire book, which is loaded. You get more in this book than an entire set of encyclopedias. And the climax of this entire thing is right here. Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when he's talking about this gift of the Holy Ghost, he's talking about that sign of tongues that these, that these people just witnessed, where people were filled with a spirit and began speaking with other tongues as the spirit gave utterance, the Bible says uh, in, in verse number 4. And what we're talking about here truly, Peter's answer, is that entrance into the kingdom of God in the dispensation of grace, which is when we are living right now. If I want to get my citizenship card into the kingdom of God while I'm still living on this earth in 2022 until the Lord, until the Lord returns and he could come back uh, any day now, I've got to start by being born again of the water and the spirit. I've got to repent of my sins and be baptized in Jesus' name. And if anybody feels the need to do that this morning, we have water right here. You can go down in Jesus' name and come up with your sins washed away from you. Not just pushed forward as, as under the law, but washed away. And what a tremendous thing, what a tremendous feeling that is when your sins have indeed uh, been washed away. But notice, right after uh, verse number 38, he's talking about how you gain entrance, how you gain this citizenship, repentance. Uh, baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost, that, that wasn't all. That, that begins it there. And he says, for the promise is unto you. What promise? The promise of Abraham. And that's a loaded word there, and that implies holiness of living and actions. He's talking about holiness. Peter is right at the same time uh, that he is talking about Acts 2.38 uh, salvation, those initial uh, three steps. And he goes on to say, with, verse 40, with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward, turned away from God, in other words, this untoward uh, generation. Again, he's talking about holiness right then. I want citizenship. If I want to, to, to uh, not, only, uh, abide, uh, not only dwell in, let me get this correct, I'm going to go back to Psalm chapter 15 here. Abide and dwell, amen. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? I want to abide in the tabernacle. I want to enter into God's kingdom while on this earth. Well, this is it right here. That entrance is from Acts 2 through 8. Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus. That means immersion uh, underwater, completely submerged underwater with the name Jesus. Uh, uh, called over me and being filled with the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking uh, with other tongues as we see exemplified throughout the book of Acts, the only book of history in the New Testament. Amen, in Jesus' name. That's how I gain entrance to abide in the tabernacle, but who shall dwell in thy holy hill? David went on from just talking about uh, abiding in the temporary, but who's going to endure to the end? 
Who's going to make it all the way to the end? Who's not only been born again of the water and the Spirit? Who's not only had that initial experience? Who's not felt the, the, those goosebumps? Who's not only had that, 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 uh, uh, that feeling inside and the, and the tongues came forth as rivers of living water? But who's going to continue uh, being faithful to the Lord even as they were in the Old Testament? Uh, who's going to be a true worshiper as Jesus talked about in John chapter 4 but as David likewise spoke of here in Psalm chapter 15 in the Old uh, Testament. And so we see here the vital necessity for this matter of citizenship of holiness. And through holy living, through newness of life, we can demonstrate the glory of our citizenship as our lives uh, have been changed by God, as we live our lives as men and women who are trying to please God and not men. Do you realize today that the New Testament makes an issue out of how Christians in the dispensation of grace live their lives? The early church, we see, was instructed on honesty. They weren't instructed just on being born again in the water and the Spirit. That's just the first thing. That's a birth. you got to go on from there. Where do you go from that point? They were instructed on fidelity. They were instructed on integrity. Uh, they were given instruction on discretion and on modest apparel, uh, outward dress that, that's not revealing or, or outward dress that's not seeking attention. Uh, they were instructed on exhibiting natural beauty rather than the wearing of gold and of makeup. And Paul referred to this as the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. The women were instructed that uncut hair was a magnificent banner of the glory of God. Amen. I'm talking about New Testament teaching here. And the attributes we see of these born-again believers were critically important. Why? Because the ultimate goal is to dwell in Zion. It's not just to take up residence and feel good while we're on this earth and feel good about ourselves and, oh, I'm, I'm living so well. No, that's not what it's about. The ultimate goal is to dwell in Zion with the one true eternal uh, living God, and his name is Jesus. And we have to keep this ultimate goal in our mind. Why? Because if we're not careful, if I live my life uh, with a flippant attitude and just go about thinking I can just live however I want to, and there's plenty of churches out there today, uh, if you want to live however you want to, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, just give us a nice offering. Yeah, you can live however you want. Oh, you'll go to heaven, sure. They have itching ears as human beings to hear teaching like that. That's not what the Word of God says. Because if I live my life in such a way, I stand at risk of having my citizenship revoked. But if we strive to exhibit the attributes of holiness as outlined in Scripture, to try to be aligned with God's will, then we have a blessed hope of one day meeting our Savior in the air and coming to the place that we call our true homeland via our citizenship in the kingdom of God. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 3, John said, And every man that hath, that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. In other words, this very hope is a matter of our holiness. Why? Because it motivates us to do our best to walk and to live in a manner uh, that is pleasing unto God and to, 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 to be resolute and faithful to the Lord and to finish our course. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, he said, I will come again. For the Lord himself, Paul said, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And I can tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, that in light of what we see happening in this world around us, and I mentioned this at the beginning, in my opening remarks, 
we're seeing just wickedness all around us. People have just lost their minds. They don't, children are growing up so confused. It's not just, it's not just broken homes. They're being confused as to whether they're a male or a female. And it's so sad. And our enemy is not these people. Our, our enemy is not these establishment politicians, although they're consumed by, by this uh, evil spirit. Satan is the enemy. Satan is behind this. But, but it's interesting. You can go out to most places. You could probably go down to, we don't have 7-Eleven anymore, Quick Trip. We don't have Quick Trip down here. Circle K. And you could get yourself a, a big drink and, hey, how you doing? Talking to the cashier. And, Boy, what a world we're living in. And, and, and I've, I've talked to people, and they bring it up, not me. And, and, and pe- people just out in the world, they're like, boy, this is a wicked world we're living in. I, I think uh, we're living in the last days. People not even in the church have been saying this to me in recent years. There's people that know it. Jesus is uh, coming soon. But I, but, but, but I just read that he, his second coming, he's coming for a certain group of individuals. He's coming for a bride. He's coming for people that have been blood-bought, that have the name of Jesus uh, applied to them. And who is he really coming for? I'll tell you who he's coming for. He's coming for those who abide in his tabernacle, and who dwell in his holy hill. Let's stand this morning. You know, an interesting thing about David's question, about entrance into God's kingdom, he knew about entrance to God's kingdom for the dispensation in which he lived. He was still living under law. Under the law, there was physical circumcision that was, that was required at that period in time, but, but he recognized further that making it to heaven, that ultimate goal, required more than just entering in. It required more than just physical circumcision. And in the New Testament, uh, we see baptism in Jesus' name, infilling with the Holy Ghost. We refer to that as, as uh, a circumcision of the heart, circumcision made without hands. It's spoken of uh, in the New Testament, a different type of circumcision. But again, it's the entrance. And David recognized there was a difference between just the entrance into the kingdom, and how to make it to heaven, how to achieve and realize that ultimate goal. And specifically, even in David's time, even in Abraham's time, the requirement was holiness of living. Sadly, many people abide in God's tabernacle for a time, but then they fall away, and we've seen plenty, and never ultimately dwell in Zion. But I want us to notice, back to Psalm 15, 15 and verse number 2 and I didn't elaborate on it too much earlier notice the very first requisite that David listed who's going to make it to heaven if I just shorten it to that he that walketh uprightly and I I began to look more into that I was look, just looking through some words in this and, and, and the, the Hebrew uh, for that word uprightly literally means perfectly completely. As in other places in the scripture where we see be perfect as, as I uh, am perfect. We think of Job, a man that was uh, uh, perfect and upright. Uh, when we look in Ephesians chapter 4, the fivefold ministry was given for the perfecting uh, of the saints. But, but, but when we use that word perfect, it's, it, we don't use that, uh, it's not used in the scripture the same way as we often use that word perfect today, where I'm talking about somebody that just has an absolute freedom 
from sin and is never able to mess up. Uh, but rather, it's talking, again, as I just said, about completion. And it literally means, as I looked it up, that word literally means perfectly, that which is complete in all its parts, where no part is wanting uh, or defective. And when we think of completion or perfection in regards to sin, when we're born again of the water and the Spirit, uh, we still mess up now and then. But sin should become the exception, and it should not be the rule. And at that, it should be the rare exception for us, particularly as we grow uh, in the Lord. And a saint, somebody that's been born again of the water and the Spirit, may be considered perfect, uh, quote-unquote, if they are continuing to grow and to, to develop uh, properly. Uh, anyone here that has had a, a baby, there's a little baby right there. Would you hold that your baby up just a little bit? Look at that little child right there. Now, I can tell you right now, that is a perfect baby. He does, does he have teeth? He doesn't have teeth. See me after church, I can make some little baby dentures. He doesn't have teeth. He does not know how to talk. He does not know how to walk. But I can call that baby a perfect baby. Now, if the Lord tarries and we're here 10 years from now, if, what is his name? Noah. Nolan, excuse me. If we get 10 years from now and Nolan is this tall but still cannot walk and still cannot talk, there's been some issues there with development, then I've got some concerns. And I may use some other descriptive words than perfect because I have some concerns. Uh, 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 about this individual. And likewise in the Lord. We get born again of the water in the Spirit. Somebody's baptized. Somebody gets filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be free from sin to come down here this morning to repent of your sins, to seek to get baptized in Jesus' name, to have your, your sins washed away. You come to God to get good. God, God begins that cleansing process uh, in us. But when you have been born again of the water of the Spirit, there's a process of growth and development that takes place. And we mature just, just as little Nolan is going to mature. And I guarantee you from the day he was born to now, he has grown a fair amount. Is that correct, Mom? He's getting a little heavier to carry there. When I asked her to lift him up, she was like, ugh. She said, ugh, in Jesus' name. Perfection. But likewise, brothers and sisters, without holiness, we must be born again of the water and the Spirit, and we must be endeavoring to walk and talk in the holiness of God as outlined in the Word of God. And without holiness, our salvation, you see, is incomplete. Salvation is a process, and we need it to be complete in all its parts. As David was talking about, he that walketh uprightly. If I've never repented of my sins, my salvation is incomplete. If I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but not filled with the Holy Ghost, my salvation is incomplete. If I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, but I've not yet been baptized in Jesus' name, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. My salvation experience is incomplete. And if I'm not endeavoring to draw nearer and nearer to God, to be more like Him, to be aligned with His will and His word, His plan and His purpose, my salvation experience can be incomplete. In Revelation chapter 21, 
we see that John speaks by the inspiration of God of that great day of citizenry in God's eternal abode. Beginning at verse number three, this is our true home. He said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God and shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things, the former things, the temporary things, the land of pilgrimage, that land where you're an alien and a stranger, the former things are passed away and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I will make all things new. Brothers and sisters, can you claim citizenship in Zion today. Do you measure up to the requirements set forth in the word of the Lord? And I've opened these altars this morning. If anybody wants to come forward and talk to the Lord uh, this morning, if you need to make a new commitment to the Lord, I invite you under this altar uh, today. Do you measure up to these requirements uh, set forth in the word of God? Has you been living as God uh, wants you to live? Isaiah chapter 1 and 18 says, Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Let us reason together, he said. Have you been washed in the blood today? Look into your needs this morning. Consider your needs. Look into your life. Do you need repentance today? You can repent of your sins today and be forgiven of your sins. You can be baptized in Jesus' name if you need if you need to be baptized today, consider your needs, friend. If you need baptism today, we have water right here, and you can have your sins washed away. That's it. Thank you for coming forward. If you need the Holy Ghost today, and you want to seek to be filled with God's Spirit, you're invited to this altar. Lift your hands and begin praising the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. Can everybody just lift your hands right now in this house? Worship the Lord today. <laughs> 